0: Hello, and welcome to the Human Entropy Podcast, a podcast where we can discuss the chaos, the adversity, and the triumph that is being human. I'm Felicia Parker. I live in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm passionate about sharing the resilience I see in other people that inspire me to chase what makes me feel most alive. This is a place to be a friend, a place to encourage, and a place to challenge. This is Human Entropy. just wanted to share a few things before diving into this episode. First one being, if you like this podcast, please go rate it or leave a review on the podcast's app because I finally got the show to distribute to Apple Podcasts and now there's finally an opportunity to rate and review the show and it would mean the world to me if you did. And please know that I'm sending you a virtual COVID-free hug as a thank you. Second, today's topic is something I've been wanting to discuss for a really long time now, race. For those that don't know, I am part black, and I'm proud to be. I've wanted to discuss this because I want to offer perhaps a fresh perspective to anyone listening to this who isn't black, or anyone who is. Before I share this interview, I ask that no matter what you grew up believing, no matter what you believe now, no matter where you lie in politics, Please listen to these stories with a heart full of curiosity and with empathy. Our hearts behind sharing our experiences is to enlighten and encourage, not to fuel rage and cause division. I'm so excited that my two beautiful friends agreed to talking with me about this, because even I learned something new in my conversation with both of them. Thank you guys for listening, especially to this episode. It means a lot. I'm so excited. You two ladies are... Some of my favorite people, which is really unique, probably because I only have met Michelle one time in real life (laughs) and (laughs) Elise and I worked together and we have hung out, but now neither of you live in Nashville. Michelle, you never lived in Nashville, right?
1: Nope. I never did.
0: (laughs) You just visited one time at my church and we met, which is very funny. Um, Do you guys both want to share your name, where you live, what you do, and then we'll go from there. Whoever wants to go first.
2: Reese, <laughs> you can go. Okay, I'll hop in there. Um, my name is Reese, Pronoun she, her. Um, I'm currently in D.C. I'm a programming assistant at a nonprofit um, up in Capitol Hill.
0: How old are you? Uh, oh,
1: I'm
0: 22. <laughs> wow. She's so young and thriving.
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> incredible. <laughs> um, my name's Michelle and I am uh, 27. Um, I work full-time as a nurse in the ER in the, my city. I live in Tallahassee, Florida. And I also work part-time for my church and for a startup company. We're launching like three businesses right now. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's really it, Honestly, it's so fun though. Um, one of them is for purpose development and then one is like basketball, sports, Um, and mentoring and purpose development. And then the last one is equality and diversity and empathy training for businesses. So that's really fun.
0: I didn't know that. I literally (laughs) knew that you worked in the ER and that's it. You're doing so many
1: things.
0: (laughs) Which listeners, I just want to commend Michelle because this is her only day off. We are pressed for time. So for that reason, I'm just going to get right into it. Um, usually I'm sad. I usually do really fun questions, but in Aww. the past, in my episodes, they take up like half the interview. <laughs> so I'm like, mm, okay, this is an important topic that I've been really wanting to talk about. So I, I want to get into it. And I'm so excited mm-hmm. because both of you I've had good conversations with, even if it's just over text um, or even social media about race and about mm-hmm. being black and about all these civil rights movements that are going on now and what our thoughts are, hard conversations we've had to have with other people. And I'm just excited to get to do this on a platform where hopefully all kinds of people are going to listen to it where maybe they don't agree initially with what we have to say listening, but Mm -hmm. then perhaps we might speak some truth and say things that actually sink in and make a difference, um, even if it's just... For a split second, I think it's worth it, and this is really important to me. So I'm really excited and thankful that you guys are doing this. This is just a quote that I read. I started a book um, called The Beauty and Breaking, and both of you should read it. But Michelle, you should definitely read it because the author—it's a memoir—and this woman is black and she works in the ER with mostly oh, white wow. men, and she writes <laughs> a lot about. <laughs> yeah, she writes a lot about that and the premise of the book I think she's been married for like a long time and then her husband leaves her and she kind of restarts her life and so I'm that it sounds like a book that I would read yeah (laughs) so I'm I'm excited but in the introduction there's this really awesome thing that she says and I wrote it down because I just want to lay this kind of as the foundation of where we're going with our Mm -hmm. topic today so As a Black woman, I navigate an American landscape that claims to be post-racial when every waking moment reveals the contrary. An American landscape that requires all women to pound tenaciously against the proverbial glass ceiling, which we've since discovered is made of palladium, I think that's how you say it, the kind of glass that would sooner bow than shatter, which is a lot to take in, but that is where we're going today in this direction. I want to talk about being black and I want to talk about being black women and, um, our upbringings and our enlightenment throughout our lives. Um, 22 years, 25 years, 27 years. Um, I just want to talk about why black lives do matter. And I want to talk about hard things, but Mm -hmm. to start, I, um, grew up in a white community with mostly white people in west wichita kansas and i i knew that i was different but i didn't know why really until kids started pointing out why is her hair different why she's weird why is her name different she's weird Mm -hmm. you know um i have had black friends all my life um and i think when i was growing up i didn't see color truly i didn't because I didn't, I didn't think to like my my mom was very uh, my mom is white she was very I guess just didn't make it a big deal like skin is skin we're all human which is a beautiful thing as a kid it's a beautiful thing um, I can see how in my adulthood it's not good because if you look at things through the lens of you don't see color and you kind of are just ignorant to color for me and this is a not a fun admission but for me that has made me ignorant to police brutality like if you don't see color well then you're not going to notice that it's mostly black people that are suppressed and oppressed in all areas in comparison to white people and so my upbringing was i'm gonna call it innocent yes naive but it, it was I was shielded from a lot because I wasn't properly educated, if that makes sense. And so, and I, again, also because I grew up with white people and I spent 24 years of my life cursing my hair and it'll be two years in January that I have been wearing my hair natural. I've not touched it with heat. I've not tried to straighten it. Um, and I look in the mirror and I love it now. And it's a really fun thing yes. to not have this burden of not liking who I am because my hair is a lot of who I am. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is just hair, but it's, it's such a big accomplishment for me. And now that stepping into knowing what I actually believe and what I am choosing to be educated in and what I'm choosing to listen to. That was a lot, but that's, that's kind of my upbringing. I was, I have, I had up until really, Ahmaud Arbery or George Floyd or Breonna Taylor, I, I would say I truly lived with this ideal that I don't see color. Um, I mean, I think things have happened before then, but that have helped me get to the place that I'm at now. But, um, yeah, I think that has been my upbringing, completely different from where I'm at now, but Mm. that's my experience growing up. We'll say growing up I call myself white chocolate because I'm the whitest <laughs> black person. <laughs> um, so growing up white chocolate,
1: <laughs> um, so funny.
0: I can get into being a black woman later, but I want to hear your guys' upbringings. Um, and Michelle, do you want to go first since you're pressed on time? Sure.
1: Yeah. Um, I'll try to sum this up. Um, so I am, I'm one of four <laughs> um I have a twin sister an older sister and an older brother um we all have different dads minus obviously me and my twin and so my older sister and my older brother both of their dads are my brother's dad was German and my sister's dad is white uh, my dad is black uh, our mom is Puerto Rican so I grew up in a super diverse family and so I honestly didn't even I didn't even know that our older sister was our half sister until I got older (laughs) and Mm -hmm. people were like, Oh, you guys don't have the same dad. You're half siblings. I was like, what is a half sibling? (laughs) Um, so I think in the same way and like the innocence, I didn't see color. Mm -hmm. Um, I think even in pre-K and in kindergarten, we used to do colorings and stuff. I used to draw my family and me white with blonde hair. The only Mm -hmm. person I ever colored Brown was my dad because he was just so visibly Brown. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, when I was in um, kindergarten, I think was probably the first time I actually realized I was different because someone told me they didn't want to be my friend because I was brown. Um, and then when I was in second grade, um, our, we got our hair straightened, like chemically we got it relaxed um, because we used to have braids in our hair every day to school and our principal told us our hair was distracting and so our hair was distracting to other kids in school so we had to fix it and so my mom got our hair relaxed and so straight just like all the other girls in school um and i think around the topic of hair was probably in college when i went natural when i started coming more into like ethnically who i was Mm -hmm. um and being a mixed person i had always heard that like natural hair was dirty it's nappy like weave is bad weave is dirty like Um, it was related a lot to, I don't know, can I say hoish lifestyle? That's, I feel like that's, (laughs) that's how I heard it related to a lot.
0: You can Um, say that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so my perception of like black culture was just really negative. Um, and I went to an HBCU for nursing school. I went to FAMU and it was the first time I had really encountered just like a ton of people who looked like me with natural hair, with weeds, with sewings, with braids, extensions, whatever, dressed professionally, like here to learn, super well-educated, super well-spoken and mm-hmm. no one there is like, oh, you sound so well-spoken. Oh, wow. You're so educated for who you are. Oh, wow. You're so, it's like, nah, we're just all on the same path, like yeah. trying to be the best at what we can be in. And I think that was my first exposure to like black excellence that made me really come alive to that like oh yeah I am going to be natural and I am going to be excellent and I am going to press more into this side of who I am and not be ashamed of it um, and do it unapologetically Um, and so I feel like that's kind of where I came into into that or like became aware of the black part of who I am for sure.
0: And how old were you?
1: Uh, I think I was 22 when I went natural so okay. I, I like to say I didn't know I was black until I was 22. <laughs> so I'd be like, that's when it all made sense. <laughs> but it was definitely exciting when it happened.
0: Okay. So you were 22. I was almost 24. So that's mm-hmm. two decades worth. Right. Of us trying to be someone we're not. hmm Okay. Thank you for sharing that. Wow.
2: Yeah. Reese? So I grew up in Augusta, Georgia, Um, South Augusta, so I, my neighborhood was all black, every grocery store I went to was black black grocery store, I went to a black church, Um, so yeah, I think definitely growing up, I, I grew, I guess in a sense, I didn't realize anything was different, because I grew around so many other black people, Mm -hmm. Um, however, with that being said, I always went to diverse, school. So my elementary school, there were tons of kids in my class who looked different than me. Um, so I think it probably wasn't until second grade where I had the first moment where I was like, oh, like, I'm different, but like, it's also a negative thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I think probably at second grade, I remember, so my mom, I had a cousin who was stationed in Tokyo, Japan, because he was in the Navy. So my mom decided to take me along with her on this trip. And I remember like telling my teacher, like, oh, I'm going to Japan and whatever, whatever, telling the class and a boy who we were good friends, you know, second grade, we were good friends. And I just remember him turning to me and him saying like, like how can you go to Japan? And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, you're black. And I just remember like not knowing, what to say and I went home and asked my mom and I was like you know like Evan said this or sorry to give his name like <laughs> this, kid, <laughs> this kid said this to me um you know like what what is what does this mean and I think second grade me that was the first moment where I guess the first moment I, where I ever had like a negative connotation with being black or just ever felt othered in a way that made, made me feel like oh maybe like you know what, what is this whole like you know kind of looking down on me feeling mm-hmm. that i got um so mm-hmm. yeah so i think that was that was the moment for me um that i realized i was different from other people um but i think yeah i think just growing up though i was always surrounded by black people and just like that community oriented feel and feeling empowered through that so I think I think I've always like have been okay obviously with being black um, but I think that was the first moment for me where I realized other people didn't feel that way
0: so mm-hmm. someone yeah. shamed it yeah yeah like took it from you I mean mm-hmm. we don't have to <laughs> speak that dramatically but made it <laughs> like that yeah. on it which is yeah. not cool. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a nice way to say it. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Thank you for sharing. And then you went to Belmont. Oh, and yeah. Went to and Belmont. you worked at Franklin Juice. Worked at FJ. And we met. And I remember thinking, this girl is so cool. How can I be <laughs> friends with her? Oh. And we are cut from the same cloth, which, fun fact, Michelle, I told her that you and I were cut from the same cloth because we're both Enneagram fours. And she just responded, yeah, you're definitely a four. (laughs) And again, she and I have met in person one time.
1: Oh, it's (laughs) so so funny. Is it that obvious?
0: It Um, is is obvious. (laughs) You know what? Just like being black, I'm aware that like a badge of honor. I am a four. (laughs) I'm an emotional human being. And that's great. (laughs) Um, so i i also want to like i said before talk about being a black woman and would love to highlight the point of this episode is not to sit around and say woe is us we're oppressed or we've experienced depression or people have been racist towards us or whatever i think it's to highlight subtle ways that we've experienced it so that you know people can actually know that it's real because it is Um, I also, I want to talk about it being difficult, but how we move forward and how um, I think we're all pretty set in our um, beliefs and that we're all passionate about similar things. And I think that um, we love to empower other people instead of um, just yell, like, the world sucks, screw it, everyone is terrible towards us because if we don't have hope, then I don't know what the heck the point of this conversation even is. So um, I do wanna talk about though, being black and being a woman. And so I can go first again, we can kind of just do the same rotation. So growing up in West Wichita, Kansas, where everyone is white and then moving to the South, where there's a lot of black people here, again, never (laughs) saw color, but I remember thinking, wow, this is amazing. Like the culture, the, the diversity, I'm not in Kansas anymore to quote Wizard of Oz. <laughs> I was not in Kansas anymore. Um I started experiencing being objectified pretty quickly after I moved here. Um and my race being a pretty big uh reason for that, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Usually always getting hit on the number one thing that I'm always asked is what are you mixed with? I can tell whenever I answer, you know what I mean? And it, it making me feel cheap or it making me feel objectified. Um, Reese, you have posted about this many times, um, or maybe not many times, but I've, I just know that you've posted about women, like you said, Michelle changing their hair to make other people more comfortable. I feel like I I've done that for lots of jobs. Um, I don't think that my school ever told me to do it, but at school was such a huge part. And Michelle, uh, WTF, I can't, I'm, I'm like my own rules. I don't cuss too much. But yeah. seriously, what the hell about your yeah. principal? That is infuriating and so infuriating when it's such a young age. Mm-hmm. Like that is stamping something on you or it's, mm-hmm. it's stamping something that's gonna be hard to remove later. Yeah. Um, it can be removed, but so- I don't think I have experienced even a degree that can amount to anything compared to many of my black brothers and sisters, but I have experienced it being highlighted that I'm black and that I'm a woman. And so if you guys have uh, stories or experiences that you can remember, just feeling like this is like an added thing. This is tough. You know what I mean?
1: I would say um, similar, it's a lot of it is similar in terms of being I am um, a light-skinned brown person mm-hmm. um, and being mixed. I used to get that question a lot as well. Like, oh, what are you? I'm like, bruh, human. Like, what do you mean? Yeah, <laughs> um, I got blood in me.
0: That's what I'm mixed with, <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> um, and so, like, having to having to explain that a lot started to get a little bit frustrating. When I did go natural, especially when my hair started to grow out, um, I found myself, it's like you're exotic to white people and you're like the ideal to black men, which was mm-hmm. really weird to me because I was, this is the description yeah. I always had. You're light-skinned, you have the good hair, and I have green eyes.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: it was always like, oh, this thing. And it always made me feel kind of odd because... Mm-hmm. I found girls who were darker than me, exquisite. (laughs) Um, And so, and just, I mean, just in general, like I think the weird thing even in Black culture is the colorism of like one shade is better than another shade and all of that Mm -hmm. is really weird to me. And I think in speaking to that and to Black women especially, uh, God, I just think we could do and we need to do a much better job at loving each other Mm. well. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I feel like you already get so much pushback from like white culture and men in general Mm -hmm. that if we're not standing with each other and encouraging each other and speaking to each other's beauty instead of stripping away, um, that we won't be able to progress like we need to or grow like we need to. Um, But I feel like a lot of it has surrounded around like objectification and then outside of that would probably be like challenging in in leadership it's like if i say something as a black female it will be taken less seriously than if a white female says it which will be taken less seriously than a man says it which will be less taken less seriously than a white man who says it so it's like in the hierarchy of leadership and how certain things come across it's almost like you're the lowest on the totem pole Mm. um, when people say things. And so that's the only other thing I've really bumped up against here and there. Um, But yeah.
2: I'm really glad you brought up colorism because that's where I was heading with this conversation Mm -hmm. or this particular question. Um, Because yeah, like being being a brown-skinned woman, I think growing up honest. growing up specifically the negative feelings i had in terms of my blackness weren't even really like it it wasn't coming from a place of oh i'm not white it was coming from a place of oh i'm not a light-skinned black woman oh i'm darker all my best friends they always get all the attention from guys like guys don't talk to me i'm not light-skinned you know like so for me growing up as a Black woman, I think specifically colorism is something that is like hits home for me, like still hurts to this day. Um, yeah, I, I, I think particularly, especially when it came to getting attention from guys is when I felt like, oh my God, like I just felt ugly. And then Michelle commented on the good hair um, mm-hmm. the notion that we all are very familiar with and Mm -hmm. You know, that obviously is a myth. There's no such thing as good hair right? anything as bad hair. Um, And as someone with horsey hair, I definitely thought, you know, just everything about myself did not match what the world was telling me what was beautiful. And then Mm -hmm. I didn't feel beautiful because, you know, I was equating, I guess I was looking for the validation in guys. And so just just messed up from the floor up, I guess, basically, (laughs) in terms of that. Um, So yeah, that was kind of, I I feel like that has been a really, really big part of my experience as a Black woman. Um, And I agree, I think that just all Black women within our community, like we could do a better job of lifting each other, you know, like it's just sometimes I get frustrated with the black men in our community and yes. everything's going on right now and you know us literally being like out in the streets like on social media doing all of this you know look at the situation with um Meg The Stallion and Tory Lanez like you know these instances that come up where it's like man not even black men are like for us uh, but we go so hard for them uh, um, and I just feel like it always you know, it's so sad that it is true that we're at the bottom of the totem pole and you know, like Malcolm X says like black women are literally the most disrespected people in America just straight up like we are experiencing sexism we're experiencing racism like Yeah, just there's a lot going on in our world. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think
1: something sorry just a tangent off of you that is unique to black women though is um their their capacity just in literally what you said and I feel like the the depth of I guess oppression or things that we face in particular I I don't know I feel like God's heart in a lot of this I think is so much geared towards redemption and what he's trying to restore in the future. But you don't just walk through the depth of oppression without God redeeming it. And so I feel like for Mm -hmm. so much of what especially black women are experiencing and what black America is experiencing, the capacity for redemption and restoration that God's going to meet in that makes me really excited. One, because of the significant amount of endurance that Black women have always carried, like literally from the beginning, and just their ability to mother and meet needs and push forward and bring others with them, and looking forward to like the next great revival that's coming, I really really do see there being like a lot of Black women at the forefront and just a lot of Black men and women leading that um, like next part of a revival. That's a super tangent, but... I don't know, just like for, I guess like a positive portion of that, of what I see God doing and like his heart for that.
0: Yeah. And that's great because I was going to ask in what ways have you guys taken that? And it has it made you stronger, um, Mm -hmm. the oppression that you faced or maybe it doesn't even have to be like, was there a moment where you decided I'm taking this and I'm steering it towards passion for justice or, um, equality or whatever it might be, but how has that maybe broken off of you like stuff might keep coming at you but at what point in your life um have you turned around believing what everyone is saying at you
2: like at what point did we stop believing
0: yeah yeah I guess
2: Mm -hmm. I think college really has solidified for me it it has definitely solidified the fact that who i am is like not up to anyone else you know i think yeah my time at belmont my time in nashville was the most different time for me it was honestly like traumatic in different ways um and i think going throughout all of that and like you both have commented on the strength of black women i think you know, sometimes I, I, I don't like hearing that from other people, like, oh, Black women, we're so strong and we're so, like, it bothers me to hear that from other people, but I mean, it is true, like, we really are so strong. And I think what Michelle said, like, we just have a capacity, like, to hold so much, to carry so much, to to fight for so much. And yeah, I just think recognizing that in myself and deciding, like, you know, I'm gonna hold on to this, and this is who I am. Like, this is literally what we come from. Like, we literally come from shrimp, y'all. Like, we, mm-hmm. you know, so good. like we come from it. So, yeah, I think college was probably probably my junior senior year, last years of college. I decided like I can no longer like live by how other people see me, how I'm perceiving other people to see me. Like, I just have to like pick myself up and you know live my life you
0: know yeah yeah and uh perhaps did a certain somebody have any influence in you knowing who you are i don't know i'm just asking (laughs) like like jesus or like like a human man i don't know yeah
1: we'll we'll give him a little yeah
0: we'll we'll talk about him later (laughs) but and that's not me I'm not saying that a relationship is what helps you define yourself but I do know regardless of what kind of relationship it is especially relationship with the Lord yeah you learn who you are in relationships you really do and so I'm not saying that you know who you are because of your boyfriend but I just (laughs) wondered if he had any aid I don't know
2: he definitely had some age. Yeah,
0: sure. when you said your junior year, I was like, is that when she met her boo? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Michelle, do you have an answer to what I said earlier?
1: For me, it's honestly been, it's still an ongoing process. I feel like I'm learning more about it now, like actively, currently, like still today. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I, so my pastor is Black um and i think him being like one of the primary people in my life has really helped me understand one what it means to be a follower of jesus first and then also to be black and then also to be female he is also at this place now where he's like yo i don't care what you have to say like this is this is who i am this is how god made me and for a purpose and for intention and i need to live that out to its fullest in order to like be obedient to god <laughs> And I'm, I'm kind of trying to get there. I think there are still parts of me that want to hold on to like the hurt and the offense of, okay, but why? Like why people who look like me and why women who look like me um, and why my family, just a lot of why questions. And I feel like usually what I circle back to is um, just like the idea of empathy and understanding. Um, I think a lot of people want to be right And a lot of people think that being right means you can't understand another person. Mm -hmm. And I think in learning that it's okay to share a story and understand someone else and still agree to to disagree and still see the other person as human and teach other people to view you as human so that we have common ground between each other is a win. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's still a process because I'm still learning how to do that, but My goal is less, um, I want you to see me how, like, there's only one way to see me, but I think the goal is I I want you to understand that we're on equal footing. Like, you are a human and I am a human, (laughs) and we need to move forward from that truth, because if you don't view me as human, that's where our problem lies.
0: And kind of spinning off of that, how have the events of 2020 i mean it's not new it's not new at all but everyone's paying attention in 2020 whether they agree or disagree with the fact that police brutality is real or the fact that systemic racism is real everyone is aware that this is it's happening they're aware that it's being talked about in in the least you know um And maybe that's a good thing that would come out of quarantine. Oh, like you're stuck in home. Well, you gotta pay attention to something and it should maybe be something as important as this. And so I always ask questions with like 10,000 questions in the questions. (laughs) Uh, I guess, have you had to have hard conversations with people (laughs) because people are paying attention to what we have just been immune to or used to, I should say, for all of our lives? even though we have all come with different levels of experiencing, being used to it?
2: I feel like I have definitely had a hard conversations with the public, mm. like on social media. Not, I haven't had to have any hard conversations really with people in my life, but or people rather that I'm super close to, but... I feel like what's different about this time is that yes it's happening yes people are paying attention but i feel like what's different about this time is that we're asking people to participate in this like you can no longer be a passive like oh yeah like all people are cool like i'm liberal whatever like no like it, it takes Action it takes you unlearning how you were actually participating in this system that is making this injustice incur, you know, over and over in our country. So I think that's definitely is what I perceive to be different this time around. And so I think kind of trying to run off of that momentum, I've been trying to use my social media as a space to just, yeah, just really get people to think about Just even some of the subtle things that you do, you know, that you might not think offends someone like me, like, you know, whether that's using like slang or like Ebonics around me because you think it's like cool or fun or whatever. Like it's stuff like that, that perpetuates a bigger problem, whether or not you mean to or, you know, that doesn't mean I think you're like awful or whatever. But I think this has been a wake up call for a lot of people that you can't just be, passive you can't just say oh I'm not racist and then you just go to bed and, and the day is over and it's cool like it, it takes it takes more steps than that um so I feel like that's the hard conversation that I've been trying to just have like in on the internet um <laughs> so yeah
1: so I'm on um two percent so if I cut oh, out, point, okay. um okay but I think Um, for me, initially the hardest part was actually the lack of conversation. Um, Mm -hmm. I have a mixed group of friends. And so my best friend is Hispanic. Um, and so we had talked about it pretty soon after, especially everything with George Floyd had started. But for some of my white friends, it was, I think it hurt more that they had the luxury of not addressing it and not checking in. So that it took so long to even start having a conversation was initially really hard for me. Um, so I was like, for how do you not, <laughs> how do you not see like the depth of pain, one in me as your friend, but also in like people in our church, like people that we're supposed to be family and like do life with?" Um, so that was hard. And then eventually, more conversations happened, and some of it's still kind of touchy because I think sometimes people don't know what to say or how to approach the conversation I've had some really good conversations with some friends who actually um live in Nashville (laughs) um and one of them he was just like I'm just trying to figure out what words to even say like please help me understand and I feel really honored when people start the conversation with I don't understand but I see you and I want to understand you better Mm-hmm. And I honestly cried when he sent me that. Um, I was like, wow, okay, thank you. I appreciate that. Like, yes, let's talk about it. And then I've had the other extreme of we're trying to talk about whatever, system reform and all of those kinds of things. And the thing that I find gets constantly shoved back in my face is like, well, what about black on black time? Didn't you know that Breonna Taylor's boyfriend sold drugs? Like, didn't she see the rap sheet on George Floyd? Like, didn't she? Didn't she? Didn't shoot? I'm like, bro. Like, so are you telling me that his actions or their actions deserve death then? Like, is that how we should approach it? And the thing that always hits home is when they're Christians. I'm like, all right. So, you know, God doesn't even do this for you. Like, when tell me when God ever presents your sins before you as grounds for accusation without also bringing in redemption <laughs> or mercy. Um, and so I think that is always the hard part of the conversation with me, especially with with people who claim to know God and so looking for common ground in that or for like reconciliation in that and grace in that is something that's really new and challenging and I'm still trying to learn how to deal with like grace um, without trying to like slap people all the time um, but I mean it's a work in progress but I guess you win some you lose some and you you learn which conversations to engage in and which ones not to because in the long run, what conversations are going to produce action and fruit, you know? Um, I think that's
0: where I'm, where I'm headed more towards now. I love that, um, <laughs> and that's good response, especially to Christians. And I, um, I agree with you, and it's difficult when it's just completely not even addressed. It's yeah. It's hurtful, yeah. it is, and I think. That paired with straight up denial like you 're in denial that this is a real thing that 's been my struggle, and claiming that and i 'm not throwing this friend other, under the bus. It was a hard conversation, but it it left an impact on me, so I do want to talk about it briefly, but it um, it was hard to hear saying that if you 're black and you 've experienced x y z in this day and age of America is offensive to real slaves. <laughs> and I, you know, I'm like, I'm listening. I'm like, okay, okay. So why do you think that? And like letting her go on and, um, really listening. Um, even though I don't agree with anything that's coming out of her mouth I'm listening, um, and taking this gentle approach of, you know, what I've learned in therapy, there's big T and there's little T, big T mm-hmm. being a slave, like big T trauma being a slave your whole life and your children. Uh, are to slavery. Yep. That's big T trauma. Little T trauma is being one of the few black students in your school and being asked to straighten your hair. Mm-hmm. And a little T trauma is being accused of stealing anywhere you go. And a little T trauma is always being pulled over because you are black all your life. It adds up to be big T. You know what I mean? Um, and that's just a tiny example, but I think uh, ignoring it or, straight up denying it. That's, that's been my struggle with either the lack of conversation or this conversation. It's not going anywhere because you literally don't think that it's real. And so, um, yeah, I appreciate both of you guys sharing how it's been difficult, but it is, I think, I don't think that everything happens for a reason. I don't at all. Um, I think God gives purpose to everything, but I don't think that there's a reason that Brianna Taylor had to die, and the reason is definitely not because her boyfriend was a drug dealer. If he even was, that's right. no way in hell, or on earth, or in heaven. Uh, uh-uh, no way. Yeah. Ooh, I get fired up. But um, <laughs> I-, I do think God gives purpose to everything, and one of the purpose that I have seen Him give to everything that's going on is that people are paying attention, whether they are in denial or not. It is at least being talked about. Mm-hmm it's really sad and unfortunate when it's talked about and you can't come to an agreement or you can't come to at at the least someone that's opposing you understanding where you're coming from, or just maybe understanding how it could just even possibly be a little bit difficult to be black. Mm -hmm. Um, The chances of someone understanding you might be less than oh, we lost her. She, her phone
2: died. <laughs> it was <on> 2%, so. <laughs>
0: she's so funny. She was at the beach with a dying iPhone <laughs> talking on a podcast. I love it. She's yeah, yeah. very kind of her. Cause I know straight up. She, I did not know she's doing the other things on top of being a nurse. I'm like, yeah, that was oh, a you lot. I have no free time. And this is really nice of you to come <laughs> talk about our feelings with <laughs> me, but, um, I don't remember what I was saying. Even if the response of someone understanding what you're trying to tell them or the chance or the likelihood of that happening might be less than probably getting pushback and getting disagreements and arguments or whatever it is, at least there's a chance that it could happen. Like I I really think that there is purpose in what's going on. And that is not me saying there's a reason it all had to happen, but I do see how we all can grow, if yeah. that makes sense, and how we, we can continue the fight, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
2: Yeah, I appreciate that distinction between for reason or things are given a purpose after it happens. Because I feel like, depending on the situation, I feel like that can give people maybe those people who say like, oh, or well, Brianna Taylor's boyfriend might've been a drug dealer. It might give those people a little bit more of like a, uh, like this is, that could be right, you yeah. know? Cause things happen for a reason. Yeah. But I think making that distinction is a lot more hopeful and just like, yeah, you know? Yeah. Also, Michelle's comment, just all in all about her experience at church raise, I think, feel like, that is a whole nother conversation, like, the, the church's response to all of this, like, mm-hmm. it, I mean, even in my, like, own experience, it's, it's been kind of sad, like, I've been hurt by, like, some of the responses that I've seen coming out of, you know, what should be, like, our community, like, our Christian community.
0: Yeah, it's such a bummer, and I was telling her before you hopped on to the call that I just I weep at night. I really do at the fact that basic human rights are up for political debate. It it hurts. It really does. It hurts because it's it's what she was saying um, earlier. Michelle was saying earlier how it is very objectifying, or like what how we talked about colorism, like being black. It's like that is our identity or something when our identity is human first. It really is. Like, So the fact that human lives and their rights are up for debate, it, it just blows my mind. It really does. Unfortunately, I also understand, well, this is America, and I understand what it was founded on, so I, I know why it's up for political debate. But it's infuriating when you're you're stamping the words – land of the free and home of the brave and that all men are created equal in this constitution. That's for the country, for the people of the country, but you're not backing that up. And as both of us being fours authenticity is so important to me, it means so much to me. And so when people that are in power aren't living up to what they're saying, it's, it's a hard thing to come to terms with at least for me. Um, and that does tie into church leaders in church or leaders anywhere. If you're going to say something, but it doesn't apply to certain people, that's so messed up. And so, um, I could talk about that forever, but I, I do hate that it's such a political topic and that the church is really jumping on truly one side or the other. And the thing I hate more than the in- authenticity is the divide. I hate division. That's all really tough and heavy, but steering it in maybe a more hopeful way or more direction. Um, Yeah, please. (laughs) Yeah, we can't get in the, the, what Ian Morgan Cron, he calls it a doom loop. Have you heard of that? Fours get in a doom loop.
2: I mean, I mean, okay, speaking (laughs) of your audience, I think honestly, it might be helpful for them to hear truly, like how, if you let yourself, get that deep and really think about the injustices that are occurring right now and that have been occurring for years and years and years like you you will find yourself in a deep place like a deep dark place my friend with um not that
0: much hope hope
2: not that much hope and it's like you know saying this to the listener who isn't Black and who might not be able to fully understand, but just imagine sitting on your bed and thinking, man, all of my ancestors truly have been through so much struggle. Like that's literally all my people know is struggle. We were ripped from our homes, taken here, all these years of being enslaved, and then Jim Crow, and then you know what we're in i guess then the civil rights movement and now this like you know sometimes i find myself literally asking god like why like why us like why are people what did we do to deserve this like years of pain years of all of this suffering like you can really get into a deep dark place and i think that it is important honestly to highlight that to people like yeah. You know, yeah, like, <sighs> thank God, like, we as a people, like, have the shrimp to, like, keep moving and, like, keep being the vibrant people that we are and, like, pressing forward. But, you know, it, it's truly a miracle thinking of everything that we have been through. Like, it's it's a miracle that, like, we are still... Coming up on top, you know, as best as we can. It's it, truly as best as we can. Um, yeah,
0: I agree. Um, and I appreciate you saying that because I think sometimes I uh, get caught up in thinking that if I show people how deep I'm thinking about something and how much it's affecting me, it's going to be too much for them. Um, <laughs> I like that you highlighted that it is important for people to understand the depth of this is. I am going to cause It's shitty. And that's an understatement. It's so shitty and it's so um, unfair. It's unjust and it's unfair. And it just continues on. And it's so easy to get stuck in that loop mm-hmm. of it being so difficult and, and continuing to not really see the justice that is deserved rightfully. So um, it's so easy to get stuck in this place of feeling so hopeless, mm-hmm. but I would love to talk about feeling hopeful (laughs) if we can. Um, I want to hear about how this relationship, how that has helped you. And I'm really curious because I appreciate you being honest and vulnerable and sharing that friends that were mixed or had, uh, you know, lighter complexion than you get more attention from guys and how, how that probably is. So as a woman and as a black woman, it's just, just really makes you speak things internally without even someone else telling you that you're less than it just really makes you think that you are. Um, and so I would love to hear how that kind of turned around for you. And if Andre had anything to do with it, like the simplest
2: way to say, it's just like being loved by someone who you feel like truly loves you just for who you are as you come you know, mm-hmm. is the most, like, clarifying thing, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's, it has, you know, I think what you said earlier, like, let's not give him all the credit here, but <laughs> definitely th- having a partner who I feel like loves me and who affirms me in any state that I am, who loves my natural hair, who loves my skin. I all love of these
0: natural hair, by
2: the way. I love girl thanks yeah like it's great it's it's great um and I think like you said those times where I felt passed up when I was younger to my light-skinned girlfriends like I don't think I ever walked around feeling like oh I am ugly or oh like I'm not worth anything but I think definitely subconsciously it it affected me and it it, it affected the kind of guys that I was dating guys who truly were not worth my time or any of that. Um, Yeah. And so I feel really blessed to be in a relationship now where I feel valued 100%. And as a four, you know, what we need is someone who just sees us for who we are and who can take all of that and make you feel understood and just, Yeah, I mean, really that. I I think just feeling seen in the barest of ways has been the greatest gift. It's been nice.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love him. I think the world of him. I would like an invitation to the wedding whenever it is. Listen, I know these things when I see him. Y'all are getting married, so I would like to be invited. (laughs) <laughs> um, that's very invasive.
1: not disagreeing at all will <laughs> be connected.
0: Yay Um In this time, in 2020 With all of this going on There is more attention when it's a, An election year, so you know Um, there's so many factors Adding into the fact that people are paying Attention, but even though it Just continues on and on and on It just seems never ending alongside all of the terrible things that are going on, what has happened that has made you feel hopeful in this time?
2: Definitely, number one, just once again, seeing people actually participate in what's going on right now. Um, Just, yeah, I think it's great to see the conversations that are being had. Even though it's difficult, it just makes me hopeful that I mean like you said all eyes are on us right now and people are wanting to talk about it like i i've had like white folks who i'm not even super close with reaching out to me and wanting to have conversations so i think um that in itself is makes me hopeful and i think also a lot of my hope lies in just young people like knowing how much like the younger generation how differently they are thinking already like yes. I mean I'm just hopeful in them I'm hopeful in us um I think black creative people have definitely been inspiring me I know, I know it's such a like i mean you're doing it but I know for other creative people this has kind of been like a wonky time but
1: mm.
2: it's just made me look forward to like the collectivism that is happening through this and the collective I think also the conversations I feel like mental health is being discussed a bit more in the black community because of all this so Mm -hmm. that makes me super hopeful like seeing black folks talking about wellness and therapy yeah thank you for asking such a positive question that I mean (laughs) that was a lot more than I thought of off the bat but I'm pretty hopeful about a lot of stuff Yeah. What about you?
0: I mean, I agree with everything you just said. Um, my little brother is my step younger brother. He is, he is white. He is almost 18. He'll be 18 this year. I believe it's so awesome to watch. Like even on just social media or just his entire generation, like something is happening. It's, it's so cool to see. And it, it feels very, um, it just feels like what we're, we're finally all what we've been hoping for. I mean, it, it's not happening tomorrow, but the That's fact right. that, that just feels like there's a, a true army ready for battle, not even physical battle. They're ready for everyone to have their share. They're ready for everyone mm. to have a spot at the table. Cause that's at the end of the day, that's all this is. It's just meant to be all inclusive. You know, it's meant to um, give people that have not ever had a seat at the table a chance to sit at the table. And I think, like you said, conversations, that's been really hopeful for me um, especially with older people, with older people that are either um, I've worked for them in the past or I work for them now Or, um, you know, um, relatives that are older than me, my aunt, like my dad, um, good conversations that have not ever been had before, which is due to circumstances and the way that I grew up, you know, but it's, it's exciting that I feel a change and that I Mm -hmm. see a change, even if the changes are subtle, that is something to hold on to when you are stuck in the darkness of it all. Um. There is yeah. hope. That's what we have to have hope. Otherwise we would what have been for. a long time ago. Yeah. You know, Yeah. to end, I would love to know what would you love to see? What would you love to be a witness to and a part of in history? What, what do you want to see happen?
2: Mm, I think, going back again to the younger generations, I look forward to seeing hopefully a generation that grows up learning about race, a generation that grows up learning anti-racism from the jump. Clearly now, like people see that that actually is a need. It's something that We all have to work to unlearn Um, and requires education, you know, so I think I would love to see the education reform happen in that sense. I mean, of course, with police brutality, I just would love to see a different system. I would love to see people relying more on community organizations and resources rather than just calling 911 for any little thing Mm because as we see like the police aren't trained for anything and everything. Um, So I would love to see just the world relying more on these organizations who are already out here existing and doing the work. Um, So I think that would be a cool shift to witness, especially.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Mm. I agree. And I think accountability would be awesome Mm -hmm. to see for mistakes that cost people their lives. I don't think that that's that much to ask, because if the tables were turned, there would be accountability and there would be harsh accountability, you know. And I think um, just seeing that and it's it's not operating out of a place of an eye for an eye. It's operating out of the system that y'all literally created murder equals this that means you pay for that because you okay. took a life because life is it's precious it's important mm-hmm. um regardless of skin color and so that'd be really cool to see but i yeah i get excited when you talk about the younger generation i really i feel the same way i think there's i think we're going to see a lot of awesome things in our lifetime in history is there anything else you want to say anything you want any type of listener to know
2: I think just, if I could say anything to someone, I would say if you are a white person holding space in any room where you know that there are other people in this room who probably don't feel as welcome to that space, I challenge you to be the person who goes out of your way to make sure that that person is included in the space. So that can look like you, sitting in your new class of the semester and there's a quiet little black girl sitting next to you, and she's not talking to anyone, I challenge you to say hi to that person mm-hmm. every day, the rest of the semester to make them feel included. Yeah, I think just, just try to think about what it would be like if you look different. I think really what I'm trying to say is just have empathy, just have empathy.
0: Yeah. I love that. <laughs> you, especially when it's girls, you can always start a conversation with a girl if you are a girl. Talk about their nails.
1: Oh yeah, literally. <laughs> literally,
0: you can always start a conversation. And that's so fun. I, it happens every day at the, or Reese, I've been selling juice. <laughs> I haven't escaped that was so random for anyone listening it probably doesn't make sense but because we worked at the jews place together i'm still working the market for them because it's nice money what? i have had so much fun working it in this time of like not getting too much socialization but people are still going to the farmers markets so that's like the most I mean, I am too. yeah and so uh it's just, it's one of my favorite times of the week getting to strangers, but especially the women that come up there and buy juice. We always talk about nails. We always talk about hair. And today I wore my hair. I have it up right now, but I wore it all the way out. Um, and I got so many compliments and it's just so fun. It's like, it's like a hug for the little girl that I was, that was told terrible things about my hair. You know what I mean? Um, and that's just a little tangent, but it's, I agree with you. Start a conversation, especially if you're a woman and you are talking to another woman. It's so easy. It's so easy to do. It really is.
2: It feels great. Like there's never been a time where I've been in a space and felt uncomfortable and someone spoke to me that I felt like, oh my God, why? Like I wish they didn't speak to me. I always appreciate it. Mm -hmm. So you can never, never go wrong with starting a conversation.
0: Yeah. Speaking of starting the conversation maybe it's a good time to end it. (laughs) Um, But this is one of my favorite interviews I've done. I have wanted to talk about this, but I've wanted to talk about it um, with people that I love and respect and um, that I know have things to say. Yeah, I'm just, I'm really thankful that you said yes. I'm thankful that I know you and I'm thankful for everything that you're speaking up about, it helps me. It does. I love it.
2: Oh, that makes me feel so warm. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: If you like what you've heard and want to support this project, if you're streaming on Spotify, it'd be amazing. if you Follow the podcast and download each episode as you stream them. If you're listening on the podcast app, Please give the show a five-star rating and it will help out immensely. Most importantly, of course, share these episodes with the people that you know. The theme song and audio production by Tip Frank. Podcast artwork by Sierra Scott, Lydia Massey, and Kinsey Moroni. I appreciate everyone who's taken the time to listen to this. Until next time.